0: Good morning. It's 8.30 on Friday, December 6th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, a civil rights leader is honored. And the Mississippi Department of Education considers adjusting its accountability model. Plus, the high school football season comes to a close with Championship Weekend. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Damer was a voting rights activist in the Hattiesburg area during the civil rights movement. His life was taken following a firebombing of his home by white knights of the Ku Klux Klan in January of 1966. Now his legacy is being honored outside the Forest County Courthouse through efforts made by David Hogan and the Forest County Board of Supervisors. MPB's Michael Guidry speaks with Dennis Damer, son of the fallen civil rights leader, about his father and the new monument to his memory.
1: David Hogan, who is the uh, chairman of the Forest County Board of Supervisors. Approach my mother about, you know, how would she feel about, uh, putting up some type of statue to, uh, to her husband. We thought it would be a good idea as long as whatever they put up was a quality project, uh, and that any, uh, text that they put up is accurate, that you tell the truth about who he was and what happened but it's really a project of the uh, Forest County Board of uh, Supervisors and Hattiesburg City Council, including including the mayor.
2: You mentioned wanting the text to really be accurate and stand out, and part of the display uh, with the statue is a wall and the simple quote, if you don't vote, you don't count. How much does having those words, next to your father's likeness, mean to you and your family?
1: Well, those are the words that uh, he told a reporter uh, during an interview in the hospital before he died. It was part of an overall statement he made about voting rights, the importance of uh, voting rights, and that particular sentence stood out. So, He's been associated with that statement since uh, January the 10th, 1966. So my dad was a grassroots community-type organizer. Uh, he was representative of the type of folks that were really the backbone of the 1960s civil rights movement. So uh, he uh he wasn't an individual that was seeking the limelight. He was not that individual. Uh, he was just a guy who believed that everybody should be treated fairly, uh, especially if you pay paying taxes like everybody else. You should have all the rights that any other citizen should have. Using the power of the ballot box to change the type of officials that were being elected to individuals who would uh, uh, be more receptive to the things that you wanted to do to bring about equality.
2: Uh, you mentioned the grassroots efforts that you know he started before those national organizations came in. Can you elaborate on some of those, uh, especially the role that the store played? Uh,
1: the community that we live in, north of Hattiesburg, uh, known as Kelly Settlement, which was a rural farming community. Uh, A lot of uh, the folks in this community owned their own properties. They wouldn't rent and they wouldn't sharecropping. They were farming their own land. So the store was part of that community effort, uh, a location where people could come and they would meet and they would talk about things going on in the community, things that they were concerned about. It was a place where they could go and buy their very basics of what you needed for rural life. So what my dad did is is when it became obvious that the local officials were gonna to have to start to register black people to vote, uh, the uh, sheriff and my dad uh, came to agreement that uh, the store could be a location where people could go to pay their poll taxes, not to register to vote, but to pay your poll taxes, which was the first step in the process toward becoming a registered voter. As a young
2: um, a young man, you know, or as a young child during this time, what can, can you just provide a little bit of insight of what life was like living during this time?
1: Yeah. Uh, keep in mind, uh, when my dad was killed, I was 12 years old, and so I'm in grade school, I am aware that there are people that do not like my dad because of the things that I had seen. You know, I had seen the the, the windows in the store being shot out on a regular basis, mailbox uh, shot off the uh, post, uh, threatening phone calls being made to the house. So I was aware of that. But a lot of the inner workings of what was going on in the movement in Hattiesburg Um, uh, we really wasn't part of it. Uh, Now, Hollis and Hollis Watkins and Curtis Hayes did live with us, who were the first activists to come into the area, the first SNCC workers. So as a result of the discussions between them and my dad, you know, I would get tidbits of what was going on. So I had a general idea, but in terms of the specifics and the nuts and the boats, I wasn't part of it. Uh we were focusing on the rural life thing we were doing. To me my dad was dad. That's who he was. He was a guy that uh taught me how to work. <laughs> he was a guy that uh carried me hunting and fishing and uh so that's who he was to me, more so than uh uh a civil rights person. Um uh, so our life here I would say was Different than the folks in Hattiesburg.
2: What do you hope future generations take from from this, knowing that your father and those words are memorialized?
1: I think it's a good idea uh, of what the uh, local officials and and others in the community did in terms of putting the statue up. But uh, you know, we're living in a time and an era where we have a lot of younger generations. That, that really don't know a lot about this history, probably never cared to know a whole lot about it. But the times we're living in right now, the things that are taking place in America, I think is sort of an awakening to a lot of the younger generations. Now, when you go there to that Forest County Courthouse, that's a very historical place. Uh, you look to the right, you'll find a, uh, the uh, typical conservative monument. Uh, place during, uh, uh, right after, uh, uh reconstruction, uh, and then starting of the Jim Crow era, era. And then you look to the left of that courthouse, and there's a statue of my dad telling another part of that history of Mississippi. And then the very courthouse, the building itself, the steps on that building, they tell a history about the movement and what took place in the 60s in Hattiesburg. To uh, go upstairs, there's the courtroom up there where the trials were held for the individuals who, who murdered my dad. So the whole location is, is a very historic spot, and as people focus on it who are interested, they'll be able to find out all kind of, things about
2: it your father was a champion of of voting rights you said that yourself that that was his big thing he wanted to make sure people could vote and be counted if your father were alive today what role do you think he'd play in helping people ensure that they had the right to vote
1: obviously he would be doing the same thing he was doing then he would encourage people to register so I think he would be telling folks hey you have an obligation to yourself, to your family, to those that haven't been born yet, and an obligation to your country for you to step forward and let your opinion be known through the ballot box. Today we have a lot of voter apathy, but the only thing I could say to them is, hey, you need to take another look at it, because if you can't see it, all the change taking place around you, all the restrictions that are being put forward, to try and hinder you getting to the ballot box, that should tell you something. That should tell you a lot right there.
2: Mr. Dennis Damer, son of Vernon Damer, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us and remembering your father.
1: Hey, I enjoyed it.
0: Coming up, the Mississippi Department of Education considers adjusting its accountability model. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.
3: What are your holiday traditions? driving to see relatives, baking treats, curling up on the couch near the fireplace. MPB Think Radio can be a part of each of these holiday events. Listen on your car radio or your smart speaker, along with on-demand favorites like Deep South Dining and Autocorrect inside the MPB Public Media app. Start a new tradition today, listening to MPB Think Radio while you celebrate the holidays.
0: The Accountability Task Force met Thursday at the Mississippi Department of Education to discuss the accountability model that measures student achievement. At the heart of the conversation was the United States History Exam. The State Board of Education is currently considering eliminating the test from its accountability model. MPB's Ashley Norwood talks to Dr. Tim Martin about the task force's objectives.
4: The goals for today in the Accountability Task Force um, well, we were tasked from the state board um, that if uh, not that we were making the decision whether U.S. history was removed or not, that would be their decision, but if it was removed, uh, what impact would it have on the accountability model uh, and the accountability uh, f- statewide? And so we were looking for a solution that would have the, the, the most uh, minimal um, impact on the overall accountability model if u s issue was is removed, where would those fifty points go, and where would they go to make the most the the, the, the least uh, impact?
5: What are some favorable options um, discussed today?
4: Well, the one that has come to the forefront hasn 't been voted on yet, but the one that I think will be approved is to move those fifty points to science um, the science um, test at the high school level uh, right now currently is only worth 50 points, uh, whereas at 5th grade and 8th grade it counts for 100 points in that model. So if you move it, those 50 points at the high school level to science, then it makes the science at the high school comparable with 5th and 8th grade. It also has, as we've seen with impact data today from, from the department, it has the least impact on uh High school ratings and also on district ratings.
5: You're a former history teacher, right?
4: I, I was a former history teacher before getting into school administration.
5: So, do you fear that if the board votes to eliminate that uh, U.S. history test from accountability or uh, from the the accountability models, so that um, the importance of history or the quality of history teachers uh, will be at stake?
4: I, I personally don't believe so. I, it, of course, you know, as a former history teacher, you know, it, um, it, U.S. history, that's dear to my heart. Um, but if we're saying that in order for teachers to know that teachers are going to teach a subject to the level it needs to be taught, that we have to have a state test at the end of that course, then we don't need to be talking about eliminating the test. We need to be talking about adding a lot more tests. And in successful districts like mine in Clinton, we hold our teachers accountable whether they, are, whether they have a state test involved or whether they don't have a state test. We have ways of making and holding them accountable to make sure that students are taught. If the U.S. history is done away with, uh, districts will do the same. They will make sure that U.S. history is continued to be taught at a very high level because it is something for students to, to become better citizens.
0: Dr. Tim Martin is the superintendent of Clinton Public Schools. Dr. Eddie Passant agrees that the U.S. history course helps in developing critical skills. But as he tells MPB's Ashley Norwood, he doesn't think the exam is essential to ensuring the course is taught to a high standard.
6: The course U.S. history is is extremely important. We are we try to Uh, teach U.S. history content uh, and civics lessons and those things through uh, the course, Uh, but we also teach uh, students reading and writing skills also through that course.
5: The elimination of the exam is obviously up to the board, but um, why eliminate it? What are you hearing from some of your teachers or just parents or students in your district?
6: Well, I I think that um, Some feel that uh, it's it's an additional reading comprehension assessment, which we're already being assessed on that. And and I feel like in the course, reading comprehension does need to be uh, taught in that course, but uh, we're already being assessed on it through other assessments. Uh, then it might not be necessary to to have an assessment. I believe that we need to hold we need to teach U.S. history. And I believe that we need to hold teachers accountable for teaching those standards. Um, and I also believe that uh, you know many uh, believe that uh, we can incorporate uh, and increase uh, the uh, U.S. history. Standards in the lower grade, as far as like the eighth grade, seventh or eighth grade U.S. history course, uh, to uh, to to stress the the importance of, of the history of our country uh, and, and and history in general. Uh, so, but I, I you know I believe that um, we can do that with you know without the assessing the students in eleventh grade in that course.
5: So, are you feeling pretty comfortable with the options being discussed today?
6: I'm comfortable with with the things that are being uh, uh, discussed uh, and the direction that we're uh, discussing in, uh, going into. I you know, understand it will uh, take a little more work to get to where we need to need to go, but uh, it, it it shouldn't matter how much work it's going to take uh, as long as we're doing what's right and what's best for for everyone and every child in our state, every community in our state.
5: What do you say to people that think? Eliminating one test won't eliminate the problem or the stress.
6: Personally, that's a personal opinion. I believe that it would uh, reduce uh, some of those stresses, but at the same time, As I stated earlier, we should uh, continue to hold those teachers accountable for teaching the skills that are necessary through every course, U.S. history included, uh, teaching those necessary skills uh, that will allow students to have what they need to be successful beyond high school.
0: Dr. Eddie Passant is the superintendent of the Starkville-Octibaha School District. The U.S. history test is the only exam not required by state or federal law. Coming up, the high school football season comes to a close with championship weekend. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.
3: What are your holiday traditions? Driving to see relatives, baking treats, curling up on the couch near the fireplace? MPB Think Radio can be a part of each of these holiday events. Listen on your car radio or your smart speaker, along with on-demand favorites like Deep South Dining and Autocorrect inside the MPB Public Media app. Start a new tradition today, listening to MPB Think Radio while you celebrate the holidays.
0: This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Six high school football champions will be crowned this weekend at M.M. Roberts Stadium on the campus of the University of Southern Mississippi. Don Hinton of the Mississippi High School Activities Association says he is excited about the upcoming games in Hattiesburg as he discusses with MPB's Michael Guidry.
7: Well, just we are so excited. Uh, you know, we have 241 football playing schools and we have 12 left. So that's uh, quite an accomplishment for those schools and, we think we have some really, really great matchups. A lot of the local around Hattiesburg area schools playing too as well, and so we're real excited about the weekend.
2: Uh, looking at the game slate, there's a lot of high-pedigree uh, schools and then some that maybe haven't yeah. seen this weekend in a while. Is it good for the game, good for the program to have these, these high-profile games? Does it does it yeah. bring fans, or it, is it nice to have some of those Cinderella stories, as it were? Uh,
7: yeah. You know, anytime you have it's new to uh, community into uh, a school, that excitement is lots, lots of excitement generated there. Of course, on that because it's the first time and it's new. And but we have our traditional uh, programs that are traditionally just like we have five of the twelve teams that are back uh, from last year. Even so, they'll be coming back to play. And then and then there's three. Other schools that are uh, they didn't make it last year, but they're normally in the hunt and so but and so, but those schools have good following of course, because they're so successful, so it's kind of both ways we've got schools that have really good football programs who have good following because they're good every year and uh, a lot of excitement there and good records and then you have some new schools that have not been here before, and there's excitement there, so that hopefully that'll that'll create a lot of uh for our attendance, and uh, and uh, we we just we think we'll have good attendance, and as long as the weather's good and that kind of thing.
2: Earlier this decade, the, you and the MHSAA made the decision to move the games away from Jackson onto the college campuses, started with Oxford and Starkville, and then now this is the second year you've gotten the University of Southern Miss involved. How has that decision to move the games to so the campuses worked out for you and your organization?
7: Well, I, we we say it's one of the best things that we've ever done from the standpoint of our, it was all about facilities, it was all about uh, we always say championship teams playing in championship facilities, and that and that was the main reason is that, you know, and some of our uh, universities were, you know, been uh, upgrading their facilities and their their stadium and, uh, uh, and and addressing facilities, and for our young people uh, to be able to, to, to dress in, to play in, to uh, be a part of uh, and then in some cases, you know, Michael, it was the walk through the Grove, the, the Bulldog Walk, or the Eagle Walk, those type of things that we've included in that as well, and we we do that prior to each of our championship games. So, and being on a university campus, there's excitement about that, and it's just been a win-win for everybody, including our universities who have an opportunity to showcase their university uh to young people that possibly will come there to pay tuition.
2: Like you mentioned, the teams themselves, the schools, the the traveling fans and support. The last element that makes these games possible uh, are the officials. Uh, A recent survey by the National Association of Sports Officials reported that more than 75 percent of all high school officials quit due to adult behavior and 80 percent of new officials step away after only two years of officiating. Another contributing factor was found that compensation has remained kind of stagnant for two years. What is the MHSAA doing uh, to combat those trends in Mississippi?
7: We continue to stress. We continue to try to educate. We continue to uh, place emphasis on our security plans, i.e. an an administrator taking care of their officials. We educate our, uh, our schools to try to um, make sure that there's a safe environment for officials uh, along the same way and also about the behavior during the contest and we have announcements that are made uh at the beginning of a contest about the the, the officials and about uh sportsmanship and mutual respect for each other so uh we do that that, that too as well we also have an, a, a, a we'll have our third this next year Officiate mississippi where we bring any official that would like to come and we have a few hundred that come, but we have officiate Mississippi Day and it's a, it's a great day for officials to come and we recognize them and that, that's more in the terms of recruitment of what you're saying. And we have, we have increased our pay, uh, along the way. Uh, we try to look at states similar in size to us and, and, and mid and in the South. And we try to make sure that we are, uh, that our officials are adequately
0: compensated and
7: not, not the highest, but they're not the lowest either. And then put some travel in there when you have playoff games and things like that so just try to take care of them
0: that way don hinton is the executive director of the mhsaa thanks for listening to the mississippi edition podcast from mpb news and mpb think radio don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already and if your app lets you leave a comment or review we really do appreciate it